Welcome to For the Love of Dogs with Janice Wolf. Hey there, Fridays. It's that day again, which is so nice. So, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about boarding and training today. I'm going to get right into that because we've got a lot to cover. Now, when you guys go away on vacation, and if you're lucky enough to have somebody who's a neighbor or relative who can babysit your dog, that's always the best choice. But what do you do when you have a dog that nobody can babysit for? For instance, and uh, as I have one of my patients, um, is a uh, mixed breed with three very dominant breeds in her. And um, we keep her for for this family because I've known the kid since he's 14 years old and he's in his 30s now. So we keep her here, but we have to manage her because she's, even though I've rehabilitated her as much as she can go, she definitely has some chemical issues. So I'm going to kind of tie that into the boarding and boarding train and explain a little bit about, unfortunately, what goes on at a lot of boarding facilities or board and train facilities, doggy daycares, et cetera kind of going to let the cat out of the bag uh, of what I've seen, and I try not to disparage anybody um, or methods as long as they work and they're not cruel or inhumane, but I definitely want to talk about that. So what do you do when you have to board a dog or you have to go away or you're having another baby or you're having your first baby and your dog is a good dog, but your dog really isn't good with other people or isn't good with other animals, and now all of a sudden, you have nowhere to go, nowhere to bring your dog. So there are all kinds of pet resorts, quote-unquote, you know, boarding, uh, board and train, but all places are not created equal. Um, And the problem is that there are, unfortunately, uh, quite a few people, uh, probably in the, I'd say, 70% at least, who really shouldn't be around animals and are pretty abusive or using shock collars. Yes, I know they call them electronic trading collars. Yeah, okay. So, you know, if somebody hits you with, uh, you know, with with a, a pebble, yeah, that's not going to kill you. But if somebody throws bricks at you, that's going to, that's a, a whole different thing. Same thing with trainers. Everybody's a darn trainer. Everybody's a trainer. Nobody, or I shouldn't say that, most of the people who you will come up against, um, especially if they don't even have their own facility and they're um, only meeting in, you know, like it's like with the rescue groups, right? You have rescue groups who, oh, well, we're foster-based. That just means that they can't afford to buy a place, right? So, It doesn't mean that they're better because they have money or access to it, but it does show a sense of responsibility because if you have a really bad reputation and you're just in a park somewhere, you can go to a park somewhere else, right? You can go anywhere else. And I'm not talking about people like myself and some others uh, who I know who are, you know, super trainers or super behaviors, but, you know, they just take the dogs out in the park. I'm talking about some of these places that they um, they just don't have your, I'll just say, they don't have your dog's best interest in heart. When you have somebody and they tell you it's going to be $400 or $300 at $275 a night, you have every right to ask them for training videos. You have every right to ask them about their methods and what they believe. You don't necessarily have to 
see them because most people, unless they're really scummy, will kind of be more honest than than you probably would expect. Because if you catch them with certain questions, which I'm going to tell you today, you will know 100% how they're going to be and if you want to have your dog in their care. Remember, it's not even like a child, it's like a baby. It's not even like, you know, you, you send a five-year-old away uh, to, you know, daycare or something and the child acts differently and says, mommy, this is, is what Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so does, and which is a whole horror story and, and just horrible to start with. Your dog does not have that benefit. All you would notice is a change in behavior without really knowing who or why. So you have to be really, really careful when somebody's taking your animal. I always recommend, and, and actually for us, we don't even take a dog unless we know the dog, we've met the dog, we know the, the owners, we feel comfortable that, you know, we don't care, listen, we don't care if the dog is aggressive, if it bites people, if it's aggressive with animals, because mine are not, and all of my good dogs will fix that dog, but it's more the case of if you talk to somebody and you say, and ask point blank, say, what do you use to correct the dog? And if they say, well, you know, uh, we, we don't correct the dog, we only use treats, then say, so what would be something that you wouldn't use a treat? Ask them, be probing, be prying in your questioning. So if you said, well, for instance, okay, well, you don't correct them. So what happens if a dog goes after my dog to bite it or something? What do you do? You don't do anything. And then you'll say, oh, no, no, we'll correct them. Oh, okay. What was the correction? What do you do? Oh, well, ma'am, very gentle correction. Okay. What correction? Ask some questions. Don't, you know, give them an inquisition to answer. But you do want to ask those questions unless you know. Like, I'm a behaviorist. I don't often have people asking me what I do because I've already worked with their dogs. I've improved their dogs. I've been in their homes, most likely, or a lot of hands-on time. They've seen that I'm not a hitter. I don't hit dogs. I don't yell at dogs. I don't choke the dogs. I don't yank them off the ground with a choker chain. I don't zap them with a shot collar. I don't yank them with a prong collar. I don't sharpen the prongs, which, yes, they're quote-unquote trainers, a.k.a. Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin, probably, um, who would think nothing of, you know, being abusive, right? They're just abusive. So what you want to do is see how that person is with the dog. Do a meet and greet. So you don't have to necessarily, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't want to waste the gas for a consultation, but let's say you meet like with, with me and with my team. What we do is we meet dogs. Sometimes we'll meet them in the park and I can see and they can see what I do. And this is just, you know, unsolicited. Here you go. And I get so many um, new patients from going to these, you know, dog walks and just things. We just go around, we pick a park, and we all kind of meet there. We just all kind of hang out and walk our dogs around. So they get to see how my team and I are handling the dogs. And 99-point-something percent of the time, I've got way better control over their dog than they ever could. So they say, well, wait, I don't understand. Janice, how, how do you do that? My dog doesn't even know you, and he's, like, being perfect for you. Well, the reason your dog is being perfect for me is because I'm an unknown quantity, and the first thing I do when that dog goes to nip or bite 
or jump or pull or, you know, lift its leg or whatever it's going to do, I correct it so gently that nobody can ever usually tell that it was even a correction. It's more of body position, body posture, the way you stand, the way you hold your shoulders, the way you tip your center forward and not backward, the way you stand, the way your head is, the way your eyes are gazing. There's so many incredible moments that dogs can capture that people are just completely unaware of. So if you have a dog and you meet me in the park where there's like, you know, hundreds of people walking around and I have control over your dog without even touching him, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. Those, those are what we call the wow factor. So there's a lot of wow factor. But if you ask someone who's, you know, looking to take your dog, especially if they're looking at, you know, several hundred dollars a day, which is if somebody doesn't have experience, that's just usurious. Um, but let's say it's somebody who, you know, let's say has this pretty good dog, but he's aggressive with strangers or he's fearful of strangers or he's aggressive with dogs or he's fearful of other dogs or he's chasing things or whatever. So overly prey driven. So what exactly do you do in that moment? What do you do um, when you want to know what, how a trainer or if you're lucky enough to have a behaviorist like myself, Come and an actual behaviorist, not somebody who is a local yokel dog trainer who claims to be behaviorist because there's plenty of those people out there too. What you want to do is see that person. So if you can meet that person, hand them your dog. Stay there though. Don't walk away. Don't let them take the dog from you. Just see what happens. If the dog hates the person, and I hear this a lot, especially with couple of local people. There's two real doozies, one particularly, and they'll be like, oh, well, he was condescending and, and, you know, really, really arrogant, and my dog hated him. Oh, well, so obviously you didn't send your dog to his quote-unquote boarding train, right? Oh, no, I did because I was intimidated by him. Really? What do you think he's doing with the dog when you're not there? So you really have to look at this as, even if they have cameras, because that's the, another ploy. Oh, we have cameras. Yeah. So you think that these people are going to, on camera, going to beat your dog knowing you could be watching? No. They're going to take the dog out and go, oh, he was out. Yeah, we did our training walk. Well, you're not there. You're not worried about when the dog is in the stall or in his little pen. It's more of, hey, you're, you know, you've got this dog and this dog is, uh, you know, out of your control, out of your eye shot. And that's really kind of dangerous because your dog can be abused, your dog can be mistreated, your dog can be terrified, and you have no way of going in there, correcting it, or knowing really what's going on. Now, there are, are plenty of good trainers. Um, there are definitely some people, I know some really good, um, one who does patrol dogs. I just wound up seeing him today. He's. I would trust him with any of my more um, confident dogs or any any of the dogs. Well, all my dogs are confident, so but I'm talking about patience. But it, I wouldn't necessarily put a dog who's super fearful in because he's got a very strong energy, even though he's very calm and he's a wonderful person. But then you have that same dog might come to me and we we actually trade off dogs. I just sent him someone and he'll send me people because 
he and I, and, and there's, I have several people like this that are, I respect a lot, including an obedience trainer, a uh, younger obedience trainer. And we will trade off because the obedience trainer doesn't want to deal with aggression. And especially if it's fear aggression, that's my thing. That's what I do. That's what I specialize in. Although I do everything, I love fear and fear aggression. So that he'll transfer a dog to me. I'll fix the dog. Now the dog doesn't need anything more. And I'll transfer him back to the obedience guy so that Ryan can, you know, work with that dog and do the obedience. And then the same thing with this other gentleman, you know, and I'll trade a dog off to him. I'll say, hey, this one's more in your line. Give me the one you don't want and we'll trade off because you first of all have to trust the person. If you meet that person and you get the slightest fear or inkling that there is anything you or your dog or your family members do not like, especially if they're kind of condescending, if they're, you know, sweetieing you and honeying you when you're, you know, as a, as a single, as an individual woman, um, if you're going to be like that and be arrogant and narcissistic and misogynistic in front of me, I can only imagine what you're going to be doing with my dog. So you have to be smart for yourself. Now, you can go on, you know, Google, Yelp, all these things. But what you really have to do is when you call up somebody, and, and I do this without uh, being prompted just because I have so many people who want my help and I can be very picky. Um, but people will call up. And they'll say to me, you know, Janice, what, what's your method? And I'll say, well, there isn't actually a method. It's behavior. Well, what, what do you use? Cookies? No. Shot collars? No. Prong collars? No. Squirt bottles? No. Um, do you bribe them? No. What's the method? Well, behavior, there's not a method. Behavior, it's just like if you went to a psychiatrist or psychologist or social worker or professional or counselor there isn't a method per se that you're going to notice. Now there is actually, you know, something that people are taught, but with dogs, there are more problems with dogs than I think there ever will be with people because there's so many different issues, so much inbreeding in dogs, so much poor breeding in dogs, um, fear, dogs who were fed lead shavings or, or gunpowder when they were pregnant or the puppies are fed that to make them mean so they can be more aggressive for pit bull fights or whatever. So if you said to me right now, you said, what would the best trainer or behaviorist be for my dog? How do I know what the difference is? If you have a training issue, it means that you would never need me. You wouldn't need a behaviorist. You wouldn't need a legit behaviorist. If you have somebody who tells you, oh, yeah, I can make your dog sit and lie down, you know, on command and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, so that makes sense because that's what obedience trainers do. But when you have a trainer who tells you, oh, yeah, we're going to use an electronic training caller. He's going to be with me for two weeks. And, uh, yeah, he's not going to do that when, when he comes home. Well, anybody who tells you that two weeks, because that's the magical number, then what happens if that dog is terrified of somebody and doesn't respond in 11 or 12 days? Does that mean that the dog is going to stay longer? No, it just means your dog is going to put, be put under more stress and more potential abuse because he's not listening. Dogs aren't on a timeline. Okay? Dogs, you can't say, oh, I'm going to train this service dog in you know, 15 days. 
I'm going to train this dog to do A, B, and C in, you know, three hours because it's like saying to a child or saying to you guys, you know, what's your worst subject? Let's say it's math. And I give you some long algebraic equation with uh, like three variables and you're just like looking at it like, oh my God. Now, how can I get you to, to get the right answer? I can cheat. I can counsel you until you get it and teach you, not train you, or I can give you an answer key, right? Or, or something. So you have to be ready at a certain time. Well, with dogs, when you do that, you put undue stress on them. You're actually hurting the dogs because what's winding up happening is the dogs are being stressed and pressured and you're putting the dog in a bad situation and you're not even doing it. Your local yokel board and trained dog trainer or wannabe dog trainer is doing that. If you ask the person, even if they're 60 years old or 50 years old or 70 years old, whatever it is, ask them how many years have you been in business? Not how many years have you been training your own pet dog? How many years have you actually been in business? How many years did you study about animal behavior? How many years, how many dogs, so let's say how many dogs have you worked with? Have you personally trained? And you'll have people going, oh, yeah, I've, uh, I've done a lot, a lot. As soon as they answer you like a lot, run. Run fast. When they tell you, yeah, I've been doing this for 25 years, and then you find out that they owned a bakery or a print shop or a, you know, a gift shop or something, or, you know, were like a machine fitter or something, and now they're dog trainer. Okay, well, what training did you have and who taught you? I mean, I could go on and on and on, but once you get through some of the initial questions, um, and remember, you guys can go on Wyatt's List, W-Y-A-T-T-S-L-I-S-T, I think it's .com, Wyatt'sList.com. And on that website, you'll actually see um, you could, there are going to be about 20 different options and little boxes. If you click on that, and you can look up boarding. You can look, it'll give you the questions. It'll look up if you look click on trainer. It will actually give you the questions that you should be asking of whoever that dog trainer is. The biggest issue is, you know, especially with women, um, you know, you're gonna find that you know people are, um, you know, especially. I'm sorry to say, but especially with men. They're going to be like, oh, honey, I've got it. Or, oh, I mean, anybody who calls me honey is going to get punched. All right. It's just, that's absolutely ridiculous. So I'm actually on Wyatt's list right now. W-Y-A-T-T-S-L-I-S. You guys see the cute little, little baby Wyatt there. And there's boarding, dog breeders, bringing a new puppy or dog home, dog walking, dog grooming, kids zone, lost pets. Nutrition, pet mourning and bereavement, products, pet experts and professionals, dog rehoming, rescues, seasonal and regional tips, service dogs, shelters, dog training, dog transportation, vet care. And you can become a member uh, by calling us or by uh, clicking on the become a member button. And I know that you can do it for free for a limited um, number. And then there's also, uh, I believe, the paid version. 
what I'm going to go on right now, because this is very apropos, is boarding. So I click on boarding, and it's got a little video. And the boarding says, checklist for pet sitters in your home. Hiring a pet sitter to stay at your home is often easier for your dog because this always allows your dog to feel safe and secure in her own environment. It is also best the best option for dogs with anxiety, physical, or medical issues. Make sure to only hire a pet sitter with excellent references and uh, who clears a background check. Yes, I do background checks on people. Invite them over for an interview and allow them to meet, interact, and play with your dog. It's all about the energy with dogs and they will let you know if it is the right fit. Explain your dog's daily routine. Have them go through it with you at least once before you leave. Many well-meaning pet sitters may think it's cute to feed the dog something forbidden or something from the table because no one would know, but it's important to explain why that is not all right. It continues on about explaining habits and all these different things. Check references. It explains to you all the things to do. Get on why it's listed. It's just going to be easier. You can understand what this is. Then you also have, um, if you're a premium member, you have a checklist for bringing your dog to a pet sitter's. You also have a checklist for boarding. We're going to go on that one, checklist for boarding. A reputable facility will require you to come in with your dog prior to them accepting your dog, okay? So if somebody on the phone says, yeah, you can send the dog to me, and they don't want to meet the dog ahead of time, and they don't sit down with you, either on the phone or in person for a a good half hour or an hour. And if they don't want to do that, that's because they don't want to wind up dealing with you. They want to just wind up taking your money and dealing with the dog. So here's the thing. A reputable facility will require you to come in with your dog prior to them accepting your dog. It should be part of their accepting your dog. You should not, however, pay a fee for this initial visit. A good facility should ask you many questions, such as what is your dog's personality? What is their temperament? Are they good with other dogs? Do they require medications, et cetera? They, ideally, your, the staff there should also be very professional and great with dogs. So here's another part of it. When you go to a board and frame place, and I just had that because one of the dogs that just came to us uh, this past week, very sweet dog. He loved dogs, but now he is so noise sensitive to dog barking because, unfortunately, he was at a place, you know, it was a good place. They took care of him. Um, He was a little thin, but he was, you know, in a good place, and he was just very, very stressed. So, you know, we looked at that, and you say, well, what? how do you know that that wasn't a good situation? Well, because there were a lot of barking dogs. There shouldn't be dogs barking incessantly. They're either, you know, barking for attention. They should really be, you know, actually, they should just be calm, right? They should be relaxed. They shouldn't be stressed and stressing and losing weight and all that. So when you do go to a boarding facility, I always say be very wary of chains and franchises because there's very little regulation often with some of these larger franchises. They'll basically set you up in a building, but there's not a whole lot of training typically. There may be some that do, but if you go to, um, you know, ABC Pet Resort, if there's one called that, it's just an accident of uh, you shouldn't have chosen one. It's so easy. Um, Let's say ABC Pet Resort in Tampa, Florida, and ABC Pet Resort in Brooklyn, New York, they are not going to be the same. They're not going to be the same people. You really can't extrapolate from one to the other. I always think it's better to stick with places where you can meet the owner. Um, Like I own several places and 
I meet everybody. I'm every service dog I've ever trained um, or we've ever placed. I've met every person who comes. I've met them and I've or I've spoken with them extensively. So I care because I want to make sure that I do my best always. And I'm so good on follow ups. And, you know, you call me at three in the morning. My phone rings. My phone rings a lot. And it, it rings all times of day. And people call me and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know who else to call. Well, I've saved so many dogs that way because people didn't know what they should do and they don't want to spend money on poison control. So they call and it rings through our 855-449-9288 number, the Wyatt's list or the, the 855-HI-WYATT. Um, it also um, is important, I think, and, you know, this is what I do, right? If you have a fantastic place that you get from, not from somebody with a different type of dog, but let's say, for instance, you have a German Shepherd or a Rottweiler or a Pity, and you go to a facility, you're, you may have a great experience, right? Or a lab, right? Because you could do pretty much anything to most of those dogs. And you could probably even use like shot collars, even though I hate them, I would not use them. But then you take a dog, a fearful dachshund, a fearful Aussie, a, a fear aggressive, um, let's say hound of some sort, which wouldn't be, would be more fear aggressive Aussie, fear aggressive doodle thing, something like that. That dog is not the same dog that your friend had the great experience with, right? So if your friend has a lab and he's like, oh, this is a great place, that's because your la- the friend's lab didn't do anything. But what happens when your dog tries to snip at someone or is, is cowering, you know, that's what you have to do is find somebody who has the very similar type of dog, um, a dog. Like if you have a dog that's got some issues, find somebody who's been there who's got a dog with issues. Don't go by the ones who don't have issues because your trainers and your, you know, 17-year-olds with squirt bottles are going to treat those dogs very differently. Make sure that you actually meet either the person who owns the place, if that's possible, and also the people that will be working with and taking care of your dog. Um, and then the obvious things, you know, making sure you're bringing extra food and vitamins. We use the NuVet, N-U-V-E-T dot com, NuVet vitamins, um, which are great. Um, I, I know somebody just actually emailed me this morning to include. I will include it for you. Um, Marcella, uh, Marcella is the name. Um, the, the vitamins, the NuVet, it's N-U-V-E-T dot com. The order code is 86686. That's again, 86686. And Marcella, um, they do, that's the place um, that also has uh, good shampoo. Uh, that's oatmeal shampoo that is yummy and it's not very strong smell. Anyway, I digress. Make sure you bring their food, even if the place offers food. I see so often that people will say, oh, you know, Janice, you know, but. If they're going to feed the food, then it doesn't cost me money. Okay. If, and, and I just literally had this, there was a place that was feeding their own food and it's, oh, it's this great food. It's really good price, really good for them. The thing was the second ingredient was wheat, whole grain wheat. And, you know, I mean, come on. So you don't want it for, for a week or two or however long you're going to be gone. Don't be cheap. You're spending money. Have the place give your food. Now, that brings me to the next problem. There are a lot of these places and a lot of these 
you know, places that are boarding that may look fun and, oh, look, and it's a happy, happy, joy, joy. They charge you for feeding your own food. Now, you know why that that is, right? It's because if they have to give your dog a different food, they have to keep it separately. They have to make sure they probably have to, you know, keep track of who got what and how much and, and all that. But to me, that's a, that's like a red flag. I've seen places charge $2 a meal or $2 a day or $4 or $7 to feed your own food. So let's say they feed their food. The dog gets diarrhea when it's there, and God knows what else it's picking up from a million other dogs. So let's say you have that. And then on top of it, your dog comes home now. He's lost weight. He's stressed. And he's probably got diarrhea. So I don't know. I think it, you know, logic dictates. If, if I were the, not the only one who's logical, um, logic dictates that you should be feeding your dog the same food. Remember, when you're sending your dog away or you're in, introducing something new to your dog, try to keep as many variables, as many things that are potentially going to change, try to keep them as much similar as possible. So if your dog is going away and being housed in a place with a bunch of dogs that hopefully aren't sick and with a bunch of people who hopefully aren't going to be abusing your dog. And let's say you find a great place, but, you know, now your dog comes home, he's got diarrhea, he's anxious, and he's got a bad stomach. And now you get mad at him that he came home and he's, you know, having diarrhea in the house. Okay, so it doesn't make sense. Be clear, very clear to them. Put it on his chart, put it on his cage card, put it on his food, that they are only to feed your dog his own food, not the food from the boarding facility, not even treats. Make sure you so you supply your food and your treats so that you don't have that problem. Also make sure, you know, that you list if there's if dog has allergies or if it has any like medical conditions. So let's say your dog has allergies to wheat and they're feeding them greenies, not that they're going to because they're too expensive, but and they're highly overpriced, and they have wheat. But they have wheat and milk bones. They have wheat. So now your dog who's got an allergy, good luck, go spending two to three months getting the body rid of that crap. Um, also, if the place will allow you, bring your dog's bed or a blanket if they'll allow you. If they don't, which is, you know, some places don't, see if you can bring a little towel or something that has your smell on it and then have them put that onto the, um, you know, whatever bed, corundum bed or whatever they've got. Um, it's really important so your dog can have your scent and it'll help him for sure to have a little easier transition. And then the last thing I think is obviously health records, vet records, which you'll probably need, but also give them a list of emergency numbers, including your number, your personal private primary veterinarian, you know, families or friends or neighbors or, you know, somebody who knows the dog in case there is a problem so that if they can't get in touch with you, they can at least have, you know, a, a little bit of um, a situation that'll be a little easier for them. So, you know, you can go on whyettslist.com. You will find all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, we even have a pet loss and bereavement counseling. We have several people, including myself, who are certified um, by APLB in uh, pet loss and bereavement counseling. So, you know, it's it's a hard thing. And especially if you have a dog who might be a little bit older or a little bit more frail, um, it's really 
I think, incumbent on us to make sure that our dogs are going to have the best of everything, the best situation, and that they're not going to have issues. Um, ask those questions. Don't worry about offending somebody. If When people call me, and, and I've been around for 38 years or something, like too long since I was negative 10. Okay. Um, I've been around so long. Everybody knows me, and, and the rescues call me and all that. And every so often, I'll get somebody who calls and says, you know, I, I, I was referred to you by so-and-so, which is how I get most of my business. I don't ever advertise. I don't need to. Um, and I don't want to because I'm too busy already. But when people ask and they say, oh, you know, do you, do you take new clients or do you take new patients? I'll say, who referred you? And as soon as I know it was referred by somebody who I went to, it means that I already knew that that person had the right energy and cared about their dog. So typically, people who love animals hang out with other people who love animals and treat their animals similarly. So I love getting all these referrals. But I also do ask the people, has the dog had any training with anybody? What behavioral issues does the dog have? Has the dog ever been boarded away from you before? Why are you looking for a place now? Have you had a place in the past and did you have a bad experience? And people really appreciate that. When your dog comes to our facility, I want to make sure that dog has so much fun and comes home maybe a little dirty, you know, from running around unless you want us to give him a bath or, you know, have our groomers give him a bath. But the point being, I want that dog to have fun. It shouldn't be that you guys feel guilty going on vacation or don't go on vacation at all. Um, and it definitely shouldn't be a situation where you are kind of feeling, um, you know, apprehensive about going. And certainly we don't want to, um, you know, really be um, constantly like worried about the dog, but we also don't want the dog to have a terrible time. And when you get that dog back, if that dog had a terrible experience, and that dog is completely different or has any behaviors or temperament issues that are new, you absolutely, and don't run to Yelp and Google, contact that place and say, I sent you a perfectly healthy eight-month-old you know, German Shepherd puppy, and my dog is now terrified and panicked, and my husband can't go near him anymore because, you know, and you look like my husband. Oh, gee, you know. You don't want that. You don't want to be on that end, unfortunately. And there are a lot of people, um, for sure, um, have that problem. So contact the place and say, is this normal? Will you fix this for free? And not with another, you know, board and train, but with, you know, hey, can you come to the house or can I come to you? Can you work with the dog? And then when you see the trainer with that dog, you're going to know in like five seconds flat if that dog was abused or mistreated or over overly abused or handled in a rough way. It's just what's going to happen. So anyway, um, I probably need to take a break so we can switch over to from shelter dog to service dog in a minute. And welcome back to from shelter dog to service dog still with me i'm still here okay we're going to do kind of a quick 
since we went a little bit over on the from uh, on the for the love of dog, but we're going to go a little shorter today because it was really important what we were covering. Now, I do want to ask you guys, because this I'm going to bring up dog licensing for service dogs, therapy dogs, and other assistance dogs. Now, pretty much what's the difference between a service dog and a pet? Well, we know that. Okay, a service pet is not a thing. A service pet doesn't exist because a pet is a pet. A service animal or service dog, and now there's only service dogs recognized by ADA thanks to the crazy people with service, chickens, pigs, piranhas. Um, tarantulas, snakes, and peacocks. Uh, but now it is only for service dogs, which are a species, and it is also for miniature horses. The miniature horses, yes, they are permitted to go anywhere the person is permitted. The problem is that even a horse that is, you know, potty trained, so to speak, it's a pretty tough thing because horses really can't control if they get excited, they're going to go. Um, and it's a whole mess when they do. But really, there's no need. And I, I did see somebody who had a service horse, assistance miniature horse. But it was for like something crazy, like for seizures or whatever. A, a mini horse, the only time it would be good for seizures is if you fall on the mini horse. Horses don't have that kind of sense of smell like a dog does. They have a good sense of smell. But why would you use something that is definitely not going to be able to lie down? Because the horses, even if they lie down, there's a limit to how small, a, you know, 150 or 200 pound horse can get, mini horse. Um, but, you know, a dog that's 100 pounds that can do the same job can, you know, squeeze into a much uh, smaller space. Um, also, when you're getting any kind of uh, service animal, which is, basically dog or miniature horse, the horses do live longer, which is a great thing, um, but they're really limited a lot in what they can do. They can't move as quickly as a dog. I'm not talking about running, but I'm talking about, let's say you do have a seizure and you're somehow you have your miniature horse trained for seizures, which is fine. So I could probably do that if I tried, uh, because I have more of a background in horses than I even do in dogs. But let's say you train your miniature horse and your miniature horse is you know, over, you know, a, two feet away from you and you start to get dizzy, if you don't fall onto him and you fall the other way, it's impossible for that mini horse to get over to you as quickly as he needs to. Um, and a dog is much more nimble and, you know, they don't have a hoof. Um, a miniature horses typically would have um, either borium shoes, which has like a little tiny bit of um, borium, which is like a, a heavy metal and it, it makes little little bumps, almost like little pimples, but a little bigger um, on the, on the bottom of the shoes so that they don't slip and slide. But a lot of the mini uh, horses don't even wear shoes. So if they're on a slippery surface, it's going to be really hard for them to get under you. So that brings me back to horses and uh, dogs. Um, and if you do have a mini horse um, or you're looking for one as a service horse, service animal, um, remember that they do have some limitations, although it is wonderful because they usually live at least twice as long as a dog, which would be wonderful. Let's go back to the dogs, though, right now. If you have a legit service dog, and remember, even your town, I mean, I've had this in, you know, we play service dogs all over the world, literally from Turkey to Japan to France to 
Um, where was a couple of weird ones? We had Bulgaria, Aruba. Um, we have them all over the country here as well. And, you know, you can't call out the, well, I, you have to let me fly there because this is an ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. Okay. Well, if you are in, let's say, Mexico, there is no Americans with Disabilities Act, except I guess if somebody comes over illegally, I guess that would be a an illegal American with a disability act. I don't know. Don't don't hate me because I'm telling you this. It's just so disgusting that people who are law abiding are not rewarded and people who are lawbreakers are given so many wonderful benefits of this incredible country. But this is one of those stupid things. So if you have a service dog, you should be able to contact your uh, licensing group, which is probably your county clerk or your town clerk, and tell them this is a service dog required because of a disability. They cannot ask you the question of what disability it is. Remember, that's what ADA does protect you against. So it's Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 protects you, and that is how your dog is protected. It's not that the dog is protected. So if your service dog goes in with somebody else who's not a trainer and is not a certified trainer and is training that dog, your dog, that dog is not allowed in. It is only allowed in because it is your dog and you are using your service dog, task-trained service dog, to mitigate a disability. So when we start looking at things, the, the important part is to know that you are entitled to have your, your service dog free of charge or with a very nominal fee. Usually they're free. Sometimes they'll have whatever that state or federal fee is for licensing. And, you know, it's not a money thing. It shouldn't be that. But... A service dog also does not count as having a dog. So if you have, let's say, a limitation of uh, two dogs in your town and you have two dogs and your child has a service dog, it counts as you have two dogs. So that's something, a legal thing that you should be aware of. Um, there's also typically not a cost for licensing. You do have to provide proof of rabies still. You absolutely still need to prove that because that's a, a health issue um, for, sh for sure. You definitely want to do that, but um, you should be able to go in and just get your service dog registered, um, you know, with the town as being your dog, but as being a service dog, so you shouldn't have to pay a licensing fee. Although if you fake it and you're a horrible person like that and you're just trying to, you know, get away without paying $15, there's something wrong with you. Um, but I do feel that when people in general are uh, providing their service dog, um, you know, you want to say credentials, um, these fake IDs, you know, I would teach people. I love teaching people, especially government people. They'll say, well, if you, you have to have his paperwork if he's a service dog. Well, what I'll do is say, well, do you have a copy? Can you look at a copy? Don't show it to me because I know I can't say it. Do you have a copy of somebody else who has a service dog in our town? Yes, I do. Okay. Don't do it now. I want you to look afterwards. I'm not even going to be here. I'll go out or, you know, I'll call you or whatever. I want you to look at that. And I want you to see on this ID that this ID card that you photocopied, I want you to tell me the name of the service dog agency that trained this supposed service dog. And the one lady in down was down the shore said to me, 
oh, well, no, this is Service Dog Certification of America. I was like, okay, that's bogus. She goes, well, no, it isn't. I have the card. I was like, no, no. And I told her, I said, go online, look up, take my pet anywhere, and you will see that and all these other quote-unquote registries for service dogs. How in the world can somebody in a garage somewhere printing out, pumping out these things, making a jar of Nutella or a, a goldfish or a piranha, a service animal, how the heck can they do that? Because they don't care. It's just as if you said, oh, I want to get one of those magazine covers like, you know, like GQ and I want to have my face on it so people will think I was actually on the cover of GQ. I mean, I've seen everything. It's crazy. But these places are capitalizing on the fact that you're, most people are not bright about it and don't know. They're not educated. So they will sell you these IDs now. I saw the one that said on there for the questions, and I just I did this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was like I saw it on you know social media, and I was like, oh, let me see how much I can mess with these people. I went through I want to say sixty to seventy questions before, and I kept saying no, 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 like I'm not I'm not depressed, and I'm not having suicidal ideations, and no, I don't have this, and no, I don't have that, and I kept saying no, 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 no. It just kept coming up with more and more and more questions. Then it says, have you ever in your life, even just once, felt anxious or nervous? Uh, yeah, I can remember, you know, probably being eight years old and having to stand up in front of my, you know, third grade or fourth grade class. Um, I could probably remember that and being nervous. Oh, you qualified for it? For a service dog, oh my gosh, yay! Woo doo 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 doo. You can have a service dog. Here's your ID. It's only seventy nine dollars. And then they've been sending me two to three times a day fake things like, oh look, we're giving you fifty percent off. Oh, she didn't bite on that one. We're giving you sixty percent off today. Da 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 da. da. Now we're giving you seventy percent off. I'm waiting for them to just send me the shit for free. Okay, so if they're that eager to get people to sign up. And they certainly aren't training anybody. They're not training the dogs. They certainly don't know who I am. They don't know my dog. I could have literally a stuffed animal. And I could put send a picture of my stuffed animal with my name and the stuffed animal's name. And they will print out a service dog ID of my stuffed animal. You've, they've done it with a jar of Nutella. They've done, I've done it with, I mean, I want to go do a can of Lysol. But... That's how ridiculous it is. Show that to these people who are trying to license you or show that to people who are denying you access. Illustrate absurdity with the absurd. Make it more ridiculous. Say, you know, do you have a, do you have a, okay, you have a chipmunk that's, that's outside. Okay, take a picture of your chipmunk. It's not yours. It's nature's, right? Take a picture of the chipmunk. Send it into one of these fake registries, these BS places that make money and ruin it for people who have legitimate disabilities and especially the people who are self-training a dog. Um, I very rarely see a really well-trained, self-trained dog, but I have seen some. And they absolutely deserve to have the same rights and privileges as one that comes from Merlin's Kids or, um, you know, one of the other really great service dog providers. There, there are a few really good ones out there. There are many, many more that are terrible. But the whole point being, why do you need a card when the ADA says you can't 
be asked for ID. So what happens is those people who are faking it, who are getting these fake IDs so they can drag the little pet, their dysfunctional, screwed up little thing that they have at home, they want to bring it with them because they they just want to put one over. You guys are the problem because what you're doing is letting people in charge, when you're showing that fake card, those people in charge don't know any better. And so they're giving people who get dogs from Merlin's kids, guiding eyes, seeing eye, like the, the really good places, they're getting making it harder for our people to be able to go into places because there is no requirement, nor is it even allowed. There's not a thing. It's not a thing. There is no ID from the government or from your local government saying you're a service dog or you're a handler of a service dog. That comes from whatever agency like Merlin's kids might be um, actually doing the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, training and the placement. So if you're self-training a dog and you go get one of those IDs, you're part of the problem. What are you trying to justify that your dog is trained? If your dog is task trained and it's, it can pass all the tests that we do, which maybe it can, maybe it can't, but if it's pretty good and at least it's not trying to bite people or lift its leg on the maitre d', I don't care. But I do care when you present a fake ID. I hate that. And I, I really, I despise people who try to do things that have these just long-reaching effects, terrible effects on other families and other people. So don't do that. All right. Well, my tirade is over. My rant has ended. It is uh, two minutes to go. And I'm going to tell everyone, have a wonderful weekend. Don't be bad. Don't be an obnoxious driver. Don't almost try to kill me three times on the way home and literally once almost succeed. Be careful when you have your, your kids in the car, just, or, or if you're just, if you're in a rush and you're almost going to miss the highway exit, you know what? Miss the damn exit. Don't try to kill somebody because you're stupid. Okay. And cause you didn't know where you were. Just go the next exit, turn around. You'll be fine. Okay. Don't kill people along the way. And that's my words of wisdom for this wonderfully fine, very chilly Friday. God bless all of you. Yes, I can say that. It's my show. And have a great weekend. So long.